It's the summer of 2021. COVID is still dinner table conversation. Kate Bush is still mostly a boomer thing, and we're still worrying about how our bedrooms look over Zoom. The crypto world looks very different too. New projects in DeFi, short for decentralized finance, are popping up like daisies. Dogecoin and NFTs are running wild, and the rising tide of increasing market size is truly floating all boats. There's still a problem though gripping the industry. A problem that seemed, at the time, like it might be unavoidable. Has it been solved today? We'll let you decide. That problem is stablecoins. This is Radio DeFi, a show about the new frontier called decentralized finance and how you can understand it. I'm your host, Rex. In this inaugural episode, we'll explore how we arrived at this uniquely liminal moment in DeFi history and introduce you to an intriguing little experiment we'll be following in real time. I'm as excited to see what happens as you are, or will be. But for now, back to the problem at hand. A stablecoin is a digital currency whose value stays constant over time. Usually this means it's pegged to the US dollar or some other stable asset. Sometimes this is done by holding one real dollar for every coin issued, like Tether. Tether became the coin of the realm for centralized exchanges overseas, which typically had large selections of coins you couldn't get anywhere else. That's Mark Jeffrey, author, entrepreneur, and host of the Hashrate podcast. Hi there, my name is Mark Jeffrey. I am a serial entrepreneur and HarperCollins author. Mark has worn a lot of hats in the crypto world over the years, and he's seen a lot of things. I've worked in the past with Travis Kalanick, who's the CEO of Uber. Uh, Elon Musk was on the board of a company I was CTO um, at. I did one of the very first metaverses. A whole lot of things. Uh, and I also did a business social network and sold that to Barry Diller. I sold it. Uh, and I sold it to Mark says there were four main use cases for stablecoins that were becoming apparent. So in order to you know, the lingua franca was Tether. So that was sort of the first uh, big use case. Second one was the creation of leverage positions, you know, 50X, 100X, those sorts of things. Um, those are created using stable coins. Um, third, uh, more recently, crypto companies, they need a place to store their dollars that is on chain and chain native because the threat of unbanking is super real. So, you know, Bank of America finds out you're a crypto company they will just throw you out of Bank of America, right? I've heard this story so many times, it's crazy. Fourth, just for speed, right? If it's just on chain, you don't have days waiting for fiat purchases. There's no wires. Basically, if you run the stablecoin game, you hold the keys to a kingdom, a kingdom of endless new possibilities with thousands of hungry investors at the gate, just waiting to build on your stable foundation. There's just that pesky stable problem. Now, if you only know one thing about cryptocurrencies, it's probably that they tend to be the exact opposite of stable. In the first half of 2021 alone, the price of Bitcoin started at under $30,000 in January, doubled to over $63,000 in April, and then back down to 30 again by mid-July. Some folks thought that over time, crypto prices would stabilize. Even today, Bitcoin maximalists will claim that stability is on the way. All we need is much greater adoption, along with enough timeline, and prices will sort themselves out eventually. But in the meantime, 
all this price volatility makes it very difficult to set up transactions, especially if they take place in the future. If I agreed to pay you one Bitcoin a month from now, there's no way to know where the price of Bitcoin is going to be then. I might owe you $30,000 or $10,000 or even $60,000. Who knows? And while that's obviously not ideal for paying the kid who mows your lawn, it's virtually impossible for financial institutions to build anything solid on such unsteady prices. But if you know just two things about crypto, the second is probably how crazy fast everything moves. Big problems tend to attract big brains to think about them. And with increasing interest in investment, 2021 was a unique moment of innovation. Well, first of all, everyone was sitting at home. <laughs> so there was an awful lot of unusual attention focused on crypto and, and other things that um, you know probably wouldn't have been. What was Mark's big brain thinking about? Uh, for me, the first thing that I really noticed, there was really two things. One was Uniswap. Uniswap is one of the largest crypto trading platforms today. And so the invention of the AMM, which allowed anyone to supply liquidity, um, and, and probably more important, allowed any coin to list itself, uh, was invented. And list them they did. Over 50,000 coins as of today. And people had tried decentralized exchanges before. None of them worked because there was no liquidity. And the other designs just were bad. Uniswap cracked the design. So once end users could supply liquidity and list their tokens, uh, it took off like a bat out of hell. That opened the door for a lot of other things. So Uniswap made a great arena for new ideas to compete with each other. The Coliseum doors had been opened and the combatants were taking the field. So I saw what looked like the beginnings of the internet again to me in, in terms of it, every bit is promising, every bit is innovative, every bit is awesome. And, um, you know, I missed a bunch of garbage, which also happened during the dot-com boom and bust, right? So it was literally the same thing all over again. Investors like Mark packed the stands, watching closely. So I started searching for who was doing what. As the battle raged, the strongest competitors started to emerge. And I came across Bean, and I was immediately pretty impressed. Including a certain new protocol of humble beginnings and big ideas. Like its namesake, it seemed to appear overnight, growing from a tiny seed to reach up towards the heavens. The season was perfect, the land was fertile, and the world was ready. Enter Beanstalk. <clears throat> but maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. After all, any one stablecoin is worth the same as another, right? So what's the whole point? Why do we need to even fight it out in the first place? And what were those investors in the stands even looking for? Let's start with a little history. Beanstalk was far from the first attempt to solve the stablecoin problem. First out of the gate was BitUSD back in 2014, built on the BitShare platform before Ethereum even existed. BitUSD is what's called a collateralized stablecoin. There are also algorithmic stablecoins, which we'll get to in a minute. A collateralized stablecoin is backed by other assets, helping to maintain its pegged price. This may sound pretty reasonable, but there are three major problems with this model. First, it's still no guarantee of a stable price, especially if the backing assets are volatile on their own. Plenty of fully collateralized stablecoin projects have lost their peg for a wide variety of reasons. 
Second, it can be hard to verify that those backing assets are even there at all. For example, Tether, one of the leading stablecoins today, has repeatedly come under fire for allegedly misstating its reserves and has even been fined by the US government. Third, and this is the biggest one, collateralized stablecoins have a huge scalability problem. If demand for the token increases faster than collateral can be secured, like if, say, Starbucks decided to start accepting Tether as payment, there would likely be no way to mint and collateralize enough new coins to fill demand fast enough. To get around the scalability problem, a new class of stablecoins was born. The algorithmic stablecoin essentially relies on game theory to maintain its peg. Competing incentives, complicated financial mechanisms, and behavioral predictions all working together to keep buy and sell pressure in perfect balance and maintain that shiny $1 price. To some of you, that might sound dangerous, and it certainly can be. But it's important to remember that the US dollar used to be backed by gold and now isn't, for those same reasons of scalability and flexibility. These days, the dollar relies on the infinite complexities of the world economy to balance its buy and sell pressure. All that to say, if it was on the blockchain, the US dollar would be the biggest algorithmic stablecoin in the world. Now, as we all know, especially in this era of high inflation, the US dollar is absolutely not a perfectly stable system, but it's the best we have at the moment. But surely it can be made better, so why not try? Well, as it turns out, for the little guys trying to design a system without centuries of credit history and trillions in liquidity, maintaining that all-important buy-sell balance is devilishly tricky. The smallest tweak to a system can mean the difference between a peg recovery and a death spiral. A long line of algorithmic stablecoin attempts have returned an almost equally long list of things that didn't work. There was basis cash and empty set dollar, which started in late 2020 and crashed within months. Safecoin, Iron Finance, Digital Dollar, and maybe most top of mind these days, Terra, which transitioned to being partially collateralized by Bitcoin to try and make their price even more robust and suffered a huge bank run and collapse. One by one, new variations popped up for their moment in the sun just to crash and burn soon after. In fact, as of today, less than a third of stablecoins listed on CoinMarketCap are anywhere near close to their pegged price. So clearly something had to be done. The DeFi world needed a hero. Okay, I think we're finally ready now. Enter Beanstalk. <clears throat> Beanstalk was an outlier from the beginning, with its farm-themed terminology, its white paper, which read like an especially ambitious econ dissertation, and its voice. Ultimately, it takes a village. That's Publius, a name that refers to all three of the co-creators of Beanstalk. When they launched it on August 6th, 2021, they did so under the Publius pseudonym and began using a voice modulator. But what even is a Publius? One of the most important documents in the history of America are the Federalist Papers, which were authored pseudonymously under the pseudonym Publius by Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and John Jay. And they were advocating on behalf of the Constitution. So that's where the name Publius comes from. But beyond that, 
if you look at uh, what Beanstalk is, ultimately, it's a credit-based system. And Alexander Hamilton was a major advocate for what ultimately became the American central banking system. And Alexander Hamilton made a series of arguments on the importance of having a centralized credit uh, within the union uh, to tie together the various different states. And he was an advocate for uh, the American government ultimately taking on a lot of the debt of the states in order to further cement the union. And in fact, uh, the epitaph at the top of the Beanstalk white paper is an Alexander Hamilton quote, uh, speaking exactly about that and the importance of credit. And not just credit, but maintaining a healthy amount of credit. And so the quote, just to read it, is a national debt, if it is not excessive, will be to us a national blessing. It will be powerful cement of our union. That quote is quite relevant to today and the current state of the financial system in America, but it's also a very prescient reminder about the core of how Beanstalk works and ensuring that the debt of Beanstalk never becomes excessive. And so when you combine the fact that we're quite inspired by both Alexander Hamilton uh, in his work on central banking uh, and the American monetary system, and then also the impact of the Federalist Papers and the fact that they decided to write those incredibly important documents pseudonymously, even though they also wanted to be a part of uh, the world and political life under their real names, there's certainly certain times value in doing things in an anonymous capacity. And so uh, that's where that's where the name ultimately comes from. The three Publius were about to embark on something that would change their lives and maybe yours. If you go back to around September, it's not September, uh, Thanksgiving of 2020, ESD was blowing up at the time. And we, Publius, just happen to all be hanging out we know each other from college and just happen to be in the same place around Thanksgiving and we're catching up. And basically, we're talking about ESD and its recent success and how that was really aligned with our prior convictions that there was this structural problem with the stablecoin market. And the fact that ESD was blowing up said to us that maybe uh, our, our conviction was right because ESD was an attempt at a non-collateralized stablecoin. And so in short, uh, we decided to read the ESD white paper together that evening. And it was very cool and inspirational. And there was a lot of great content there. But at the same time, there were some really obvious inefficiencies and problems in their model. And despite the obvious or what were obvious to us, uh, issues with the model, the market was really eating up ESD and there was a ton of speculative demand for ESD. And so in short, we decided that evening that we could make a, a fork of ESD in what we thought would be a couple of months, um, two, three months at most, and make some improvements, fix the issues that we saw with it and roll out a competitor, a fork. Very quickly, within a couple of weeks actually, we kind of realized that as we were thinking more and more about the model, uh, it was going to require a ground up rethinking of a lot of different aspects of the model. And that would require an entirely new code base and a new white paper to explain it. And accordingly, it went from a two, three month side project to what became like an all intensive 
uh, nine month sort of sprint uh, until we we ended up publishing or deploying on the Ethereum mainnet uh, the first week of August of 2021. So that's that's the the long and the short of it. And we would just say that to go back to where we started this on why we decided to be anonymous and and use a pseudonym, despite the fact that we put our real heart and soul into the project and you would think you'd want to put your name on that and show it proudly that that's what we worked on that. And certainly there's that aspect to it. But because we put our heart and soul into it, we want to give Beanstalk the absolute best chance humanly possible to succeed at its goal to become a global decentralized autonomous issuer of money. And we felt that uh, the benefits of putting our name on it, both to ourselves individually and potentially uh, the ability to uh, more quickly attract people to Beanstalk in the short term, was going to jeopardize or, or at the at the margin effect in a negative way uh, Beanstalk's chances of succeeding at that goal in the long run. So that, that's how we got here. After almost a year of development, Beanstalk finally launched on August 6th, 2021, with just 100 beans, each equivalent to a dollar. And amazingly, it kept going and kept going and going. All around, market prices were still going haywire, but every time the little bean that could dropped under a dollar, it sprang right back up again, till it got a bit too high and dropped back down, oscillating minutely and reliably around that $1 mark and getting tighter and tighter over time. In fact, it crossed peg over 4,000 times in its first eight months. As tweaks to its design improved efficiency and functionality, and the number of beans grew from 100 to over 108 million. It seemed almost inevitable that any day now, Beanstalk was going to be a name on everybody's lips. But you know what they say about being careful what you wish for. April 17th, 2022, a day that will live in bean infamy, in beanfamy. It was a bright, cool Sunday morning. At least it was where I live. I remember waking up that morning. Beanstalk had suffered an attack. All the money was gone, and there was nothing anybody could do about it. Now, we'll be covering this hack in much more detail in later episodes, but for right now, there are only a few things you need to know. First, this attack was done through the governance model of the protocol meaning the method Beanstalk used to commit changes to the protocol's code. Very, very basically, the hacker was able to propose a change with a bit of code written to drain all the value from Beanstalk's liquidity pools, hidden in a blank proposal like a Trojan horse. They then borrowed a massive amount of money through something called a flash loan, bought enough stake in Beanstalk to get 67% of voting power, and rolled the horse right through the gates. The Beanstalk developers immediately paused the protocol and patched the governance hole, but the damage was done. Beans were now trading against nothing, just a bunch of zeros. So Beans' price was zero, just another dead stablecoin in the graveyard. But wait, do you see that? Pushing up through the dirt? Oh no, it's, 
It's Zombie Bean! Wait, are, are beans perennial? Maybe, maybe that's a better metaphor. Either way, the point is that Beanstalk had something going for it that these other tombstones didn't have. Beanstalk actually worked. The mechanism itself worked fine. The algorithms were solid, and like the US Central Bank, Beanstalk had credit history. Really good credit history, actually. Its debt level had decreased from 1600% to 600% in a handful of months. Maybe if the need for the right stablecoin wasn't so obvious. Maybe if Beanstalk numbers were a bit less impressive. Maybe if Publius hadn't doxed themselves, revealing their identities in a show of good faith. Maybe then, Bean would've just stayed dead. A sad reminder that crypto can be a lawless wild west. But that's not what happened. Instead, the dev team and community immediately sprang into action. What they had was too good to let go. It had to keep running. The good news was that, technically, all they really had to do was start over again. After all, if the whole thing had started with just $100 worth of beans, it could be done again. Some advocated for just turning it back on and waiting. The problem was that a lot of people had lost a lot of money. All things considered, most investors were still remarkably bullish on Bean, but you couldn't very well expect them to just accept the loss and put in even more money. The days and nights after the hack were a flurry of activity. Ideas were suggested, considered, and rejected. The three newly doxxed creators worked without rest, searching for the right path forward and a way to reimburse those who had lost their beans. But this time, it wasn't just the three of them. This time, they had a community, a passionate team of coders, designers, econ and finance nerds, marketers, and even musicians. A full pan-continental congress of bean believers bent on bringing life to their beliefs. And they did it. They actually did it. How? Afraid that's a different episode too. So all that brings us to today. It's the fall of 2022. COVID is somehow both over and not. Kate Bush is back on top where she belongs and we've given up on ever looking good over Zoom. It may seem quiet in crypto land, but as this bear market rolls on, there's a lot simmering behind the scenes. If tradition holds, these moments of calm come right before the storm and for Beanstalk, the stage is set for building. And lucky us, we have a front row seat to watch it happen. But it's not just Beanstalk we're watching. There are plenty of big things coming to crypto very soon, and maybe even to the world economy. As legislation is written, new ideas flourish or fail, through bear and through bull, we'll be watching, with Beanstalk beside as our helpful case study. We hope you'll be standing there with us too. There's gonna be a whole lot to see. The goal of Radio DeFi is to inform the public about decentralized finance in a way that's entertaining and accessible. We see the future in these projects and want you to be both excited and well-informed. If you hear us talk about a topic or an organization that strikes your interest, that's great. 
just make sure you take your time and do additional research before investing. Also, some of these projects are high risk, so never invest what you can't afford to lose. Radio DeFi is an Audio Farms production funded with grant money provided by Beanstalk Farms.